This is WMNF Tampa. to the Sustainable Living Show on WMNF Tampa 88.5, where every Monday at 11, we bring you a conversation with experts on sustainable issues. Your hosts today are myself, Kenny Coogan, coming live from the WMNF studios in Tampa and on location in Virginia is Annie Ellis. Hey, Kenny. It's so nice to see you. It is so (laughs) nice to look at a webcam and know that you're on the other side. And live, too, we have Tan- oh, Tanya. <laughs> Tanya, I'm going to get that name right. I, uh, I Ten know. years I've been calling I know, it Ten, <laughs> ten years of this pronunciation. It's okay, I'm about to name, too. But, um, yeah, I'm happy to be on Sustainable Living again. Yay! Yes, we have the former host, Tanya Vidovic. Um, yeah. Coming from her home in Virginia, is that correct? Yeah. Yeah, Floyd, Virginia. We're actually, right now, we're, we're in my mother's house um, because my connection could be spotty, so we wanted the stability of, uh, we drove to town. Yeah, we drove to town. <laughs> we're in the city, big city today. The big city of 400 people. It's right, huge. Right. Very good. So we're going to be talking about off-live, uh, living off-grid, which is quite exciting. And I wanted to mention that I went for a bike ride today around uh, my little neighborhood, and it is recycling and trash day today. Now, I love garbage picking and I love repurposing things because the world has enough stuff. And if we could repurpose it, we could help our impact. I didn't find anything that I wanted to take home today, but I did see a six or seven foot long uh, fishing pole in the recycling bin. And you cannot recycle fishing poles, people. Yes. That, that is not one of the things. You can recycle paper. Paperboard, cardboard, plastic bottles, plastic jugs, aluminum, cans, glass bottles, and jars. And that's it. You cannot be wishful recyclers. It's going to jam up the process. An upcycling bin, maybe. (laughs) Well, what it does is it trashes the whole thing. It it ruins the whole situation. So guess what I did? I pulled over on my bicycle, and I took that fishing pole out of the recycling bin, and I put it into their garbage bin. Good man. Good man. Yeah. Because, You're great. Because hey, obviously heard, they did not listen to our show on recycling. Well, they missed it that day, I guess. Yes. So uh, so I was wondering, I heard that you were on TV a lot this week. <laughs> You're like internationally known on television, radio, and screen. What's up? What's up with that? So last Monday I mentioned that I was going to be at the Museum of Science and Industry on Saturday and selling plants, doing a book signing. And uh, Fox 13 and ABC covered me three times this past week. Um, (laughs) So I actually sold out of like a whole set of books and I had to have my helper go back to the house and get another box of books. And those were not pre-signed. So I was selling them. And then somebody came back and said, hey, would you mind signing this just in case one day you're internationally famous? And I said, I already am internationally famous. And yes, I would love to sign your book. (laughs) Just so they know now. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) 
they have no idea how much you do. That's the thing, Kenny. You do so many things and it's connected to so much. That people just have no idea how much you write and what you represent. It's amazing. He's a writer for Mother Earth News and also for, he's the president. Aren't you still the president of the International uh, Carnivorous Plant Society? Education director. Education director. Okay. Yeah, I'm on the board. Yeah. Well, but, you are it. You are it. <laughs> thanks. And, uh, well, Annie, we have to mention that Irene is working uh, the calls. So if people yes. want to participate, she would love to talk to you. And then Mr. Bill Grace is working the boards today. Yay, Bill Grace. Yay. Hey, Bill. <laughs> we were just talking about you around the fire last night. Oh, goodness gracious. <laughs> That's right. You're saying what a nice man you are. Going to make me blush. Ukulele. <laughs> they were all playing ukulele, so we were talking about ukuleles. <laughs> all right. Like I told you, Tanya, or told Andy to tell you, I've got a uh, ook for your little girls. Yeah. I'll be, awesome. We'll take it. I'll get it next time I come. Yeah. All right. Shall we go ahead and introduce uh, Tanya? Yes. All righty. So uh, let's see. Well, today we're talking with Tanya Vadovic. Close. Vitovic. 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 Okay. Uh, mother of three uh, and partner of Jared and former host of the Sustainable Living Show. And um, they moved from an 1,800 square foot house to a one fifth acre, uh, uh, on one fifth acre in the suburbs of Florida, to building a sustainable off grid 800 square foot home in, in the Appalachian Mountains. So, I've been up here a couple times now, and it is amazing. But, you know, when I first thought about being off-grid, I didn't think it would be as luxurious as it is. Now, maybe my idea of luxurious and somebody else's is different. I, I think it is. You know, when you have a washer and a dryer, indoor, you know, plumbing, water, hot water, outdoor shower, hot water, and, you know, the whole thing. Uh, to me, that's pretty luxurious. And now, in my little cabin that I'm staying in, I have electricity and a little stove. It's like amazing. And it, a is, hotel. it is funny because when Annie first pulled up, because you have to, our driveway is a, a two mile dirt road. And so when she finally got up before she even said hello, she said, Oh, I expected this to be more rustic. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I did. So I thought it was going to be like. A wood-burning stove with hot water on it. That was where you got your hot water from. <laughs> I mean, we, we do that on a whole bunch, too, but yes. All right, so but, Tanya and Annie, we can hear you when you face the computer. Okay. But when you look okay. at each other, I assume, or when you turn away, it's you, you get a little quieter. Yes. Yeah, so okay, thank you. Got to get thank real close you. to the computer. So, Tanya, right. can you talk about why you decided to move and why you wanted to start living off-grid? Uh, so, well, the... I mean, the sustainability of living off grid and not relying on your water and your power. Because I mean, honestly, everybody gets those the water notifications. Your water has had this leak and whatever, and it's a boil water notice. And the electricity bill was always kind of you know, even having solar being connected to the grid, it's a it's a lot of money. But the I felt like in Florida, I was always trying to create a community of people that cared about the environment and about like sustainability. And we had a handful of neighbors that just weren't that cool and would spray pesticides. And I'm like, I just want more land. Like, I don't want like 
neighbors that close by to me. And then we started looking at like a long-term plan. And I was looking at all these, like these reports, these climate reports of what it's going to look like in the next 20, 50, 100 years and where this is like survivability is. And in Florida, it's going to be 90 degrees for nine months out of the year. And in if you're lucky, if you're lucky. And then if you look at the north, like it's going to get colder and there's more, you know, there's more snow. So like it's it's more, more or less like the extremes are getting more extreme. And there's like this little sweet spot. <laughs> um, and so pretty much like Appalachia is it. So it's kind of like in Tennessee, North Carolina, Virginia, South Carolina, and like Tennessee, it was a little, I didn't want, Tennessee is gorgeous and the land is cheap, but it's cheap a lot because you don't own your land rights. Like they frack so much there and they can, oh, oil rights, they keep, yeah. So like, rights. Yeah. yeah. So you don't have those. So that narrowed it down for us to the Carolinas and Virginia. And, you know, I mean, Floyd won. The land here is gorgeous, but we just happened across this magical community of like organic farmers. Like there's organic farmers and farmers markets. You can still get like a decent amount of property um, for pretty cheap. And there's a ton of local amenities. So it's marvelous. And then there's tons of art music up here, which is phenomenal. In the seventies, apparently alternative thinking people moved here. And so they started that community minded thinking. So there, yeah, the music here is amazing. Uh, Bluegrass uh, Fridays outside is just incredible. They've been doing that for like a hundred years. They have like a Friday night jamboree outside where everybody brings their musical instruments and they just join in together down on the street. It, it's pretty magical. So we should probably talk about the, you know, the whole thing. So Sustainability? What? Yeah. Why we did that? Now, uh, Annie, it's very hard to hear you. What? What was the land like? Can you hear me better now? Perfect. I'm like right. My face is on the computer. Great. <laughs> uh, it's uh, what was the land like when you uh, got here? So, I project my voice. I'm okay. okay. Um. So the land was really. It was raw. So what happened is in the, in the last hundred years, it had been um, deforested a couple of times. The last time they did it was about 12 years ago. So the trees are like, you know, probably like two feet. Yeah, about a two foot diameter right now. And some there are some larger ones, but like there's all these cool pathways. And it is, it's like a two mile driveway but the road was in really rough condition. So it was pretty much just raw land. There was a house back in the, I think in the seventies that, um, that fell apart. So there was an old homestead there. Um, but it was pretty about fall far back and it, we call it the vulture house. So <laughs> but, the vultures live. It is, but there's, I mean, it's gorgeous property and there's like natural springs and waterfalls and, so what did you do when you got there? What was the first thing you guys did? The first thing was the road because the road is just, I mean, there was like two foot down divots. So we had to have somebody come and like, and level the road for us and drop some and drop some gravel. And then luckily we, so the area that we actually picked to put our home site on, we were trying to, a number of considerations, but we chose one that was close to the road, but that had already been, had the trees taken down about 12 years ago. So it really didn't, it, 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 we didn't really have to take that many trees down to do it. 
So, uh, what, what was the first? What was the first thing you did? Did you do the well first, or did you put the little cabin on there first? What did you do? You know, it's funny because when we talk about like, I I went to a few home builders and I said, hey, you know, we'd like to build a house here, and they were all number one. They were booked up for years, and they wanted these like, these like everything drawn out from architects. And so I just had my stuff scribbled on a napkin of what I kind of wanted done. And we actually went to a local shed builder. Um, and yeah, this guy, Rocky, he did phenomenal. He did such a good job. He used two by sixes and two by tens and large timber and getting that up there. So it kind of all happened like simultaneously. So he was building like the outer shell of the house and we wanted to finish the inside ourselves and do a lot of that work ourselves. Um, but at the same time we were having the well drilled. And so that was an interesting experience. So we were kind of doing it all at the same time. So you put the little cabin up there so y'all could stay in it while you were staying on the property while they were building the property, right? We did. So we had him drop a, um, like a 10 by 16 little cabin. Um, and we would, we would kind of all five of us camp out and with the dogs <laughs> um, in this little cabin to stay there. And, but we also had a house that we had bought um that my mother stays at downtown. So we kind of, you know, we're back and forth and do some work on the mountain and, and come up and, and work on the cabin and the land. Yeah, it's only 20 minutes, really, from, yeah. the, from the mountain downtown. So, so, so Andy, we have uh, a couple of people who want to talk to Tanya. So let me do oh, the good. quick in- reintroduction. Uh, you are listening to the Sustainable Living Show on WMNF Tampa 88.5. Today's guest is former host of the Sustainable Living Show, Tanya Vitovic, talking about living off the grid. If you want to be part of the conversation, give us a call at 813-239-9663, or you can send us an email at dj at wmnf.org, and we will read it on air. And we have longtime supporter of the WMNF Sustainable Living Show, Joe from Lakeland. Hello, Joe. Hey, Kenneth. Uh, is it Kevin or Kenneth? Uh, Kenny. Ken is good. Kenny. Hey, hey, guys. Thanks for uh, letting me on the show. Yeah, long-time supporter listener in sustainability in Florida. Wow. So here we go. Uh, yesterday, I switched my water tank out to that tankless system. Uh, I live in an HOA, and I guess in Florida, you know, we're, we have tons of HOAs here. We're so limited of what they will allow us to do in our HOA. And, and when with the current state of solar in Florida, unlike California, two sunshine states, two different solar programs. Um, they, I would like to see if you guys are, are eventually going to get to talking about uh, solar sustainability in Florida specifically, versus we, where you're at up there. Uh, we did. We had a person on the show that did all solar in Florida. So we'll have somebody back on again soon. Yeah, and we did. You know, in Florida, it's a little – well, that's the, another thing that I that I think is really important is that you have to look at your local regulations and what's allowed. So mm-hmm. in Florida, you have to be still connected to the grid system. Our last house in Florida – it was connected. So we have right now we have um, a, a we have 24 panels, 10 batteries, two inverters, a transformer. So we have a, a 10 kilowatt system inverting power and then we a 50 kilowatt um, storage and batteries. 
um, that we put up at our house. And actually, my husband, Jared, did it with the help of, actually, Annie put up a few. Yeah, we put up eight <laughs> panels yesterday. Um, so, uh, you know, nice. We, nice job. Yeah, they did very great. We're going pro. <laughs> All right, Tanya, it's very hard to hear you. Go forward. Thank you. Um, you have to. You definitely have to plan accordingly um, to using your solar because we've never. We've always just been connected to the grid before. So you have to. Um, yeah, you have to plan. So if it's going to be like a cold day and you want to use some heat, it's just what heat you use, and you have to like navigate whether it's going to be a cloudy day the next day. Because yeah. if it is, we have to use the wood burning stove. Because my husband Jared also put in a mini split, which is. It's marvelous, but like you have to have the power to actually Everybody utilize it. I was told too that in that in that system that you can only use certain things that draw too much power. You can't do like two things at one time, or it'll flip the breaker. So you have to be careful about how you draw and what you draw. Joe, did what you have a follow up question or comment? Yeah, I did. Thank you for all. Thank you for all that, guys. I really appreciate it. So I wanted to ask you, since you're, you're, you're that model you just gave, I think it was in Florida, Is there a, what's your offset from your investment versus what you were paying the electric company? Because uh, that's what they sell you when they come to your house. They try to sell you you're going to save more than you're spending currently on your solar, on your electric yeah. bill. So in Florida, the, the usually you want like a seven-year payoff before, on average, it's like seven-year payoff. But it really depends. Like they, there's there's people out there that do like a full analysis on how much power you use, how much sun you're getting, like what, and they will tell you how many years it takes for for it to pay off. But even with our whole roof covered in Florida, um. You know, there, there's a couple months out of the year that we still had a bill. And then there was, there's also like crazy connector fees now that make it so that it's really, I mean, it's, it's, it's. The, the governor changed some, uh, uh, some bills to make it a little bit harder uh, and you can't reuse it. You can't take the solar energy that you have excess and give it to somebody else anymore. They don't let that happen. Yeah. They're really making Florida, um, governorship or whatever is really making it difficult to actually use solar in Florida, which stinks. Yeah. So that's one of the cool things about like, again, this area is that there's a, there's a lot of the time there's less regulations as far as um, putting like being off grid because up here they're used to it. They're yeah. used to people, you know, using, well, I wouldn't say composting toilets because that was kind of a struggle to figure out what was allowed um, and the state and the local government, they, they don't necessarily have the same laws. But as far as solar goes, it was way easier. They encourage things like that here, uh, earth-friendly uh, ways of being, rather than how what I found that when I, you know, in Florida, that's what I found. Uh, should we, do you have any more, uh, Joe, or do, should we move to the next? I, I totally appreciate you guys. Great stuff, and I agree with you 100% about the governorship here making it difficult in more ways than just uh, sustainability to yes. live in Florida. And so like, we need to vote. We need to vote better, wiser, make wiser decisions to, for the future of Florida. 
uh, and the governorships are one of the things that I think will help um, in, in, you know, in our decision. Thank you for your thousand time. percent agreement. Thank you, Joe. All right, so Annie and Tanya, we will have uh, one uh, voice message now, and they just wanted to add that we definitely need upcycling bins, and I think that's a good idea too. And I, now we should also mention that Tanya started the Tampa Gardening Swap Facebook page, and I, I think it has more than like 10,000, 15,000 members on it, and it's a great way where you can post. If you're on social media, you could post your excess seeds, vegetables, gardening supplies, and you could just trade freely amongst your uh, fellow neighbor. There's actually even a sale day. There's a sale day on Thursday only, but we do allow sales on Thursday. All right. So, Tanya, uh, you talked about some of your land improvements, what it looked like. You talked about why uh, you wanted to go off grid. So, and and we just recently talked about the solar panels um, and the I just got, Annie was mentioning the Mother Earth News. I just got this uh, issue, I think yesterday, and I was reading it, and uh, somebody has been living off-grid for 40 years, and they mentioned that this winter was the first time they had to, that their backup wasn't good enough because they had, they live in Oregon or Washington, and they had seven days of clouds in winter. So they needed to get their wood-burning uh, stove wow. up and, and running. We- yeah, we so we have a wood burning stove, which that is another thing that like you need to like figure out and join groups. Like joining local groups has helped me so much from the wood burning stove to what trees to plant. Um, go to your local experts. So the wood burning stoves are interesting because we at first we just bought like a cheaper one and we didn't realize that the actual chimney needed to go three feet above the highest part of the roof in order to stop the wind. And we have such a large amount of wind that like it was blowing smoke back into the house. So we had to like change it out and get one that had that could close and get like a a wind protector on our, on the top of our chimney. So it's definitely something to try to figure out and getting a good wood burning stove it's so much better. And then you use less wood because burning wood is not necessarily the end game either. So it's, it's good to have redundancies in your systems. Yeah. Yeah. Did you, I was wondering, do you have a heat powered stove fan by any chance on top of your wood stove to circulate the heat around your house? Or is it? We do. Yeah. Yeah. So there's this little, it's like, little when the, when the when it heats up yeah it blows and circulates the air for me um i bought the small one thinking it was way bigger so i think i need to i do need to upgrade that <laughs> but there's ways of yeah like circulating the air and then also all of our rooms are off of one main room so the heat distributes really really well and fast um so planning your house accordingly for air circulation and for heat is is really important in designing your house too if you are planning on just having one heat source because we have the mini split but it is funny we can do uh, pretty much three days of power if we don't use the mini split and like annie was mentioning there's some things that are just will draw your power that you just like any sort of like like toasters and coffee makers and all those we can't hear you you couldn't hear me? No. Oh, can you hear me now? Yes. 
Okay, so I said I used a hair dryer and I had to ask before. <laughs> you needed permission. Yeah. So, Tanya, when you were in uh, Tampa, you your gar- your garden, your yard, your front yard, everything was very permaculture style. Can you talk to us about are you doing permaculture? Are you doing annuals, perennials, oh, edible Ooh. trees? The trees are a part of it because pretty much as soon as I got in, I was like, I was buying fruit trees. So we've planted about, I would say, 350 fruit trees so far and um, probably 450 asparagus I'm up to. And then, but also going to like the local um, the local gardeners and the local farms and seeing what they have and then just researching, you know, what's edible. So, you know, there's a bunch of, of native plants that are edible too. So buying those and I think I planted 200 um, fiddlehead ostrich ferns and then a couple other varieties, I think cinnamon and lady and then Virginia bluebells are delicious. So we were planting a bunch of perennial edibles, but just different ones because they apparently are, you know, I'm in a zone six B I think. So everything's different here. Yeah. <clears throat> she has a, a, a spring house in town. So some more tender things can get put in, <clears throat> but in general, you know, everything's going to freeze. So unless it's going to root, it's going to be down in the root. It's going to come back, spring back. Then you have to do a completely different situation, but it's, there's gardens everywhere all up in the, all around the house, all over the place. And then they also have chickens that they had to fence in the, the gardens to keep the chickens out. <laughs> well, and it's funny because everyone's like, well, why don't you just fence in the chickens? But mm-hmm. like, there's so many ticks here that the, the, the chickens have a job and they need to do their job. And kind of, so that is the first step, I think, as far as, before we fence them in is they need to try to detick the area and they can say it can take up, you know, two to three years for chickens to detick your, your, your yard. So yeah, we have about, uh, about 40 chickens right now, including a couple babies that were just hatched. So I think there's six babies. They just take them out every day for a little walk. <laughs> Tanya, what uh, year or what month did you decide to move to Virginia? that we were not going to move to Virginia until I retired. And then I ended up with like hurting myself at work. And so I retired way faster than I thought I was going to. So this originally was going to be happened in like 15, 20 years. And then all of a sudden it was kind of a forced retirement. And we said, well, what are we waiting for when that like the weather is gorgeous here and it's just, it's, the land is beautiful and way cheaper. Like we sold our Florida, our Florida house and we're able to buy this large plot of land and build what we consider an awesome house all for less money than what we sold the house in Florida for. So, I mean, we have 227 acres. So we moved from a fifth of an acre to 227 acres and like it's gorgeous land. So it's on a mountain, so it's not like a flat 230 acres. There's uh, sections where you can build on and section, and lots of sections you can't. So it's, but it's beautiful. Yeah, there's springs and waterfalls. Annie hiked to the waterfall and almost died. Yeah. <laughs> Come, coming back was the problem. That was the problem. 
Yes. So people can listen to WMNF on uh, sustainable living anywhere in the world, but most of our listeners are in central Florida, Florida. So Tanya, you are like a transplant. I think you're from Massachusetts, but then you came to Florida, then you went to Virginia. So for listeners in Florida, because Florida is like the number one state where people move to, when you go to a new location, you were kind of mentioning a little bit earlier that you kind of had to find like a community or like a group of people who like who use or utilize uh, wood stoves and, you know, these are the types of chickens that do well. So what are some recommendations you have for people who are moving or relocating anywhere to learn quickly how to live off-grid or to live more sustainably rather than making their own mistakes that people have already figured out? No, that's a really, that's a really good point. Like knowing where your power is going to come from because this property, the closest telephone pole was like a mile and a half away. So there was no option like to connect to like any uh, electric, anything. So you have to look at your property and then figure out, you know, what you want to do, but then join the local groups and Google in the group, like the main questions that, that you have. And most likely they've already answered it from, you know, where to find a builder and, you know, what's wrong with this and just like trying to figure out like if wind works, if you have enough wind to actually put it up and then also accessibility because a lot of these mountain communities, like they may manufacture it somewhere, but whether or not you can get that thing here is different because the roads, I mean, some of the roads, like I said, I have a two mile driveway that is you have to drive like five to 10 miles an hour on. So accessibility is, is huge, but mostly in our local group, uh, they talk about whose, whose cow is running in the street. (laughs) What dog is is on the corner that they just found and they're going to hold for you. (laughs) So Tanya, you just said you're going to Google, like for people who relocate, they should Google like a homesteading group. Is that what you're saying? And Local ones, yeah, try to find a local one. Go to the local markets and talk to people and find out what the issues are and yeah. what like what what things that are hard to overcome and like talk to the code people and find out even if what you can do before you buy a property, find out if it's allowed yeah. to do that thing. Because there's been a lot of times in Florida and here where we see people buying property and they spend, you know, hundreds of thousands of dollars only to find out they're not even allowed to do that. So finding out, yeah, if what you want to do is is in code. Yes. Mm-hmm. I uh, interviewed Summer Rain Oaks for the Mother Earth News podcast, and she is doing a communal living where a group of her friends bought maybe like 90 acres, and they're going to have you know their own houses, but they're going to come together once a week for dinner or whatever. And she that was her number one thing. You need to check the code because if – cities or states haven't had communal living before, it's usually not allowed. It's very hard to get a mortgage with three different families, related or unrelated. It's interesting because the, um, in our, in our, in Floyd, you cannot subdivide a property unless every piece of that subdivision is touching a state road. And it looks like the last time they forested our property, they had intention of subdividing because it's like one main road leading to suburbs, leading to like these acre clearings and 10 acre clearings and five Mm -hmm. acre clearings. But 
they can't subdivide it because it's not touching any state roads. So I think that that's probably why they wanted to sell it is that their intention mm-hmm. is was never going to happen. Can we go back to the groups? Are you saying that you're finding like Facebook groups or are you, are you finding people who are meeting physically once a month? Both, both. So like I swear one of the first things I did when I moved here was, um, was have a garden, like a, like a seed and plant exchange. It's apparently it's my go-to thing for meeting people (laughs) (laughs) because I want it. I I know Well, it's all the coolest people that show up and it, I don't know, but yeah, going, going to the local markets and then joining the local Facebook groups or whatever social media you, you utilize. So I literally just searched Floyd, Virginia, and then saw all the groups that were there and then joined them and then kind of like looked at them to figure out you know, what I wanted to do and then also get, I get ideas of what I should be doing because they have, I mean, they have great ideas as far as anything from deterring deer and protecting from bears, you know, bears. like things that, you know, you necessarily wouldn't think about. And the tick thing. The yeah. tick thing, like it is, it is what it is. Like you have to figure out what is, you know, what you need to think about from the local people. And a lot mm-hmm. of these people have been, like Annie said, there's a group of hippies that moved here in the 60s and 70s. They've been living off-grid for 30, 40 years here. So they know what to do. So then going and talking to people in person too at when they when they meet up. But one of the things that's cool here is that, so my taxes are $800 a year, which is insanely like uh, coming from coming from Florida when it was like six, five to six thousand dollars a year. But here I've, I've met a few people that they don't have a floor in their house. They live on a dirt floor because they don't have to pay taxes on the house if, the, if they don't have a floor. <laughs> so, you know, and so but there's some really cool dirt floors out there that you can like pack down the clay and make it seal and utilize it. But for tax purposes, it's a dirt floor. Well, so, I went, I once went to a house in Peru that also had a dirt floor and they had about 50 guinea pigs running around their living room and they were not pets. We'll just say that. All right. You, you are listening to the Sustainable Living Show on WMNF Tampa 88.5. Today's guest is former host of the Sustainable Living Show, Tanya Vitovic, talking about living off grid. If you want to be part of the conversation, give us a call at 813-239-9663 or send us an email at dj at wmnf.org and we will read it on air. And we have a caller all the way from Florida, Virginia. And this would be Jared Vitovic. Oh, hey, Jared. Jared. Hi, Annie. Hi, Kenny. Hello. Hey. My, My favorite fact... I don't know if this is still true, but I hope it is, is that Jared had homemade deodorant. Jared, are you still utilizing homemade deodorant? <laughs> when I utilize deodorant, it is homemade. Very good. <laughs> <laughs> What's it made out of? I didn't know anything about that. <laughs> Probably I don't use it when I'm at home very often. Yeah. What is it made out of coconut? Uh, we do a we do a mix. Honestly, my daughter ends up making it more often, so it's it's a mix of different oils and then different like I mean we'll we'll take oil and we'll soak uh, like and let like oregano and thyme. What all these herbs? We'll let it sit in the oil. 
for a couple of months and then we heat it up with some other oils and beeswax and whatever and so yep jared uses it in his armpits okay i didn't notice any uh uh, bad (laughs) smells yesterday when we were hanging those uh those panels so it must be working you know what's great though um is a lemon like a lemon peel like when you eat a lemon you can put that on your armpits and it usually like neutralizes the odor and get rid of like a lot of like that bacteria in there too so that's another good one all right so jared you're gonna hang out for a minute and uh, we have another caller and this is kenny from tampa hi kenny hey what's up kenny um i just wanted to talk to uh tanya and see you know living off grid one of the things that has been um on my mind is you know i'm a teacher um i have a government job and moving to an off-grid lifestyle i understand maybe the cost might be uh different but is the actual cost of life off-grid cheaper than when you were in the city and how are you guys making income from your uh property or are you working like gig type jobs or you know well so jared when we moved jared has a government job so he transferred so he's still so he is still working actually he's working more now because before like i was the primary worker so when i retired jared kind of moved to that role um but it's the the cost of living is cheaper because I'm not paying for water. I'm not paying for electricity. The taxes are way less. Um, now, mind you, so we just moved, um, you know, a, a year and a half ago. We just moved to the actual into the mountain probably a month and a half ago. So the costs, like the long-term costs were just so like, right now it's been a lot because setting it up is a lot but i mean with as many vegetables and fruit trees we planted i'm hoping that it's going to be less so i mean i already know that it's going to cost less just because we're not paying a lot of those bills although the electric bill not the electric i'm sorry the internet bill because we have an at&t hotspot with a verizon booster so jerry can talk more about about that but that um that was expensive. Jared got hung up on. Oh, I think he's going to call back. I think Jared's back with us. I'm back. Okay. Guys. Okay. Yay. <laughs> so, Jared, did you have, did you want us to ask you questions or did you have something you wanted to mention uh, about your transition to off-grid living? Yeah, I had a couple things I wanted to mention, I guess. Um, I think, uh, you know, Tanya was so busy multitasking a lot of different things about how we were going to get settled, what the house was going to look like. A lot of the logistics of, okay, how is our power going to work fell on me. Um, And so I took kind of a deep dive, and a lot of that was just like YouTube and reading different websites on how to set up an off-grid solar system. And I was really amazed that it wasn't that complicated, though. So one thing I wanted to mention was they now have all-in-one inverters where you don't use, uh, there's no micro inverters involved. There's no charge controllers. There's just a simple inverter that you mount on the wall. Your panels plug into that. Your batteries plug into that. And then your power goes out to your house. Um, And those were pretty affordable. Uh, So when Annie talks about, oh, I had to ask to turn the power on, we can use up to 10,000 watts. And that's without third. Like we could have thirds beyond that. 
but 10,000 watts at a time is what we're looking at right now. So um, it's, that's a decent amount of power. I mean, we can we can power major appliances multiple at a time, but we, yeah, we have to be careful. We can't turn on all four burners, the oven, the mini split, and the dryer. How long can Annie blow dry her hair for? <laughs> Annie could probably blow dry her hair for eight hours, and it would not. But you, but you can cook on the stove when she's blow drying. That's right. That's right. Good. Yeah. No toasters at the same time. Yeah. yeah. So we got a we got an email and it says, "Good morning. This is Don in Madeira Beach. Uh, can you just remind us who your sustainable guest is and what area they're living in? Inspiring show. So on the phone and on Zoom, we have Tanya and Jared Vitovic. Tanya was the former host of the Sustainable Living Show, and they're living in uh, Floyd, Virginia. So, Tanya and Jared, can you tell us where Floyd, Virginia is in relationship to a city or state that we would know? <laughs> hour south of Roanoke in southwest Virginia. Okay. So it's right on the edge of the blue, the southern edge of the Blue Ridge there. And you, you we're said like, that... We're like um, two miles away from the, the Blue Ridge Parkway. It's about an hour from Roanoke, isn't yeah. it? Yeah. And yeah, you mentioned that, like, in the 60s and 70s, you know, hippies and sustainable-minded people live or moved to that city or town. So you have, you know, hundreds, a couple hundred acres. How close are your sustainable-minded neighbors? Or And is there a lot of them? I know you said there's 400 people, but is everybody living the same way you're living? A lot of them are, um, but... Yes, four hundred people in the town. The county has like what, Jared, like fifteen thousand people? Yeah, there's fifteen thousand in the county, I believe. Yeah, so like but like they they're spread out. Everyone usually has a lot of acreage, but people are doing cool stuff everywhere. Like every single person is homesteading almost. I mean, there's you can learn there's a lot of information and a lot of knowledge in the community if you just talk to we went to somebody that she has a whole lot of goats, and so she does a lot of things with all the goat milk, and then uh, met another person that's an herbologist, and so there's lots of different people that have specialties that they're most interested in, and so they're all willing to share that information freely. They're just lovely human beings. Tanya and Jared, when you got there, this is my favorite a question that a master gardener asked me, do you plan a garden or plant a garden? So I'm going to ask you, Did you, are you planning the property? Do you have blueprints of, hey, this is where the best solar goes, the house goes, the garden goes, or are you kind of setting it up and then saying, oh, that didn't work. I got to <laughs> <laughs> relocate. Tanya plans while she plants. Okay. <laughs> She's not waste any time planning. She's just, it's shovels in the ground and it's all going. So, I walk around with plants in my hand and looking at the sky and like trying to figure out where the shade is and whatever. And then I, I put the plant down. I'm like, ta-da, stop. <laughs> and did you, now I know when you were in uh, Tampa, you were able to get, I mean, my entire one acre property is basically free things that I got from you guys. So now that you're, you relocated you mentioned a certain number of like fruit trees you planted. Were you able to source them freely? Are you able to propagate them yourself? Are, are you having to buy? That's kind of maybe what Kenny's question was as well. Like, you know, financially, how are you paying for all these trees and things like that? 
Well, honestly, the house from the sale of Tampa, like I'm kind of including the cost of our new house. I'm adding in the fruit trees and stuff. So a lot of the fruit trees I bought, but then also there's this really cool grafting class here put on by the county where for $25, I got to graft five apple trees to show how to do it, whatever, and it included everything. And then at the end of the season, they just gave me an extra 30 something. So I got 40 grafted apple trees for 30 bucks. Um, but then there's local there. There, So the library once a month does a seed and plant exchange. So I, and I've hosted one too, but so the people show up at the library and there's a bunch of swapping going on there. There's also a local native nursery and there's, Actually, there's a couple, there's a native nursery and then there's a medicinal and edible nursery too. So we've been able to support local businesses and then do some trades and then some buying and, and then the, that county apple thing was like amazing. Yeah, yeah. And as you know, Annie and I love to have the different neighboring county extension offices come on the show and give their advice, their expert advice. And they, um, wherever you are, you should probably contact your extension office yeah. because they offer those uh, free things. Now, Jared, you're talking about like- solar and yeah. um, somebody is sending, Mike in St. Pete asks, how would an electric car fit into your power plant? So, Jared. Oh, that's a question for Jared. <laughs> we were just talking about this yesterday. Good timing. i Tanya that we need to go get an electric vehicle and that's part of why the extra solar panels are going up um i want to be able to charge a car with the uh, power that we're producing i was i've been looking at like a 2019 nissan leaf and you can get them for about under twenty thousand. and i believe at the beginning of 2024 you're going to be able to get that discount right at the dealership the um there's a four thousand dollar discount on used vehicles so as cheap as i am i don't think i'm going to afford a new vehicle but Use Nissan Leaf. It has a 62 kilowatt hour battery. So, on a day, I should be able to produce probably 40 kilowatt hours. So, it it will be a squeeze, I think. But especially uh, if Annie's there, blow drying her hair. <laughs> yeah, and you know what they say is when you're upgrading a your solar system that the panels are really cheap. I mean, you can get panels for 200 bucks a piece, no problem. And batteries are the expensive part. Um, in the uh, when the sun's out, you're good to go. Yeah, and talk about that battery thing too, Jared, because you talked about two different types of batteries. We talked about it yesterday. I think people need to know about that. Okay, yeah. Um, I there's the the newer batteries now are the lithium phosphate batteries, those have like a 10 to 20 year lifespan and they're supposed to last for like 7,000 charges. Um, I there's a lot of environmental disagreement about whether that's good or not. One of the struggles I ran into with the lithium phosphate batteries, which is what we bought, um, is they don't want to charge or discharge when it's below freezing out. Um, so that that has been an issue of trying to keep that room where the batteries are stored warm enough for that. But in Florida, you wouldn't have that problem. Um, but the batteries have been working great. I mean, they, they charge up and they discharge and they have a little communication board on their own and it's really like a plug-and-play system that I just looked up on on YouTube and kind of followed what other people were doing. Um, Do you guys have uh, a refrigerator and freezer? 
Yeah, and we we actually just built like a little guest quarters for people to come stay. And we have the fridge doesn't use very much power, even when it kicks on. The condenser in the fridge kicks on. You're only looking at like 700 watts at a time. So I, I have like a little running calculator in my brain of how much watts, <laughs> how many watts is everything using, and when are we getting close to the limit? So um, one thing he'll I run outside and check uh, if you turn on a new appliance. He'll run outside and like make sure that we're not like close to over the wattage. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I have to, I have to walk around and be like, we need to turn off one burner. <laughs> <laughs> so Annie helped me move this giant water heater into our cabin into our house here, and <laughs> so we got a going off what Joe mentioned about the tankless water heaters. I would want to ask him whether he had looked into the hybrid heat pump water heaters. They're four times as efficient as a regular resistance water heater. Um, and they, it's been fabulous. It uses 500 watts at a time. But while it's running, it runs maybe three to four hours a day, as opposed to a normal water heater that's using 4,500 watts at a time while it's heating. So, I mean, you're really looking at using like nine times less electricity while the thing's running. Um, so that was essential for us. Um, it does have some downsides. It emits cold air as if it's like a little mini air conditioner. So that, that can sometimes be an issue since ours is inside. But in Florida, again, if I could make one suggestion to people for their energy efficiency, for an extra like thousand bucks, you can get a heat pump water heater. They sell a remodel at Home Depot or the big box stores. Um, but there it's great technology as far as reducing your footprint. Right. That's free air conditioning. Very nice. So yeah. we have uh, about five minutes left, and we do have a caller. It's going to be Jungle Jay from Clearwater. Bill, can you oh. can you take him? Reunited okay. and it feels so good. <laughs> Hi, Jungle Jay. Jungle? Host and you- host. Hello. Hello. We can hear you. Yes, I was just saying it's nice to to play Old Home Week with the present hosts and the past hosts. And I have yeah. a question for Jared about his hey, uh, about his aspirations for the car. Uh, what I'm wondering is, do the do the batteries in the car also become storage in the advent of you know reduced power in the house? Can you can you steal back from your from your vehicle? Agreeing. The F-150, I know, can. I don't know if the Leaf can do that. That's a good question, though. But I know that the F-150 works as a generator. Yeah. Uh, okay, that's well, that's that's good to know because I've been thinking about it myself here, and, uh, and, and I would like to be able to, you know, kind of share back and forth. So I appreciate that information. Yeah, that makes it's so nice sense. to hear your voice, Jungle. Yeah. <laughs> Well, it's nice to hear Tanya on the radio program again as well. And everybody. I enjoy following what you do there, Jungle, at Beacon. Oh, it's it's blowing up really well in the post-COVID environment. I can't say enough about it. We're having wonderful events coming up, and and it's just getting better and better. What event do you have coming up? Uh, well, um, we've been having our, we've been revisiting our fourth Friday in the food forest. That's every fourth Friday. And it's just a casual meetup with the kids have been doing the giant slip and slide. And we make the s'mores and just community. And that's every fourth Friday of the month. And, and where is the Beacon uh, Farm at, at 
jungle. Beacon Food Forest Gardens on Facebook. Beacon Food Forest Gardens. Make sure you get the gardens part on okay. Facebook. And we're at 2470 Nursery Road in Clearwater, right next to 19, near and neighborly to all points in, in the Tampa Bay area. Excellent. And one other thing is we're having uh, a Barrels of Fun biochar build and burn, and that's going to happen on the 30th. And that's a Sunday, and that'll happen from noon to 3 p.m. Good timing. We needed that event at the end of our show, and we are there. <laughs> well, there you go. Well, thank you. Universalist. Nursery Road. <laughs> Perfect. Thank you so much, Jungle. And uh, also, in the Mother Earth News issue that I was just reading, they were putting biochar, compost, and high food scraps in like a dryer tumbler with oh, wow. eight or 10 uh, pool balls. And they say you run it for 30 minutes and then the biochar uh, crushes up perfectly. And then you have like evenly uh, sized pieces of soil and compost to apply to any garden situation. That's a great idea. Or if what? you have small children, you can put it in a knapsack with those pool balls in there and they could just <laughs> bang it around. <laughs> I wonder if it will over time, though, because so much gunk always like gets in between the drum of the dryer. If it if it will break the dryer, it might be a temporary. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's at the last end of that dryer. <laughs> yeah. So don't, should we? Don't clean your clothes with that same dryer. No. <laughs> yes. A heat pump dryer. Yeah. All right. Well, thank you so much, uh, Tanya and Jared. It was great to hear what you guys are doing yeah. up there in Floyd, Virginia. And we encourage people who live in Florida to create communities where they want to live and uh, encourage other people to move there and live like them as well. Thanks, Kenny. We'd love to have you out. Excellent. Uh, yeah, that cabin's plush now. <laughs> So we, we want to thank Irene for taking your calls and Mr. Bill Grace for working the boards. If you enjoyed this show and our weekly content, please consider going to WMNF.org, donating through the tip jar and directing your donation to the Sustainable Living Show. Your donation helps keep us on air. Stick around for the next hour to hear WMNF Community Speaks with Mabili. Tune in next Monday morning at 11 for the next Sustainable Show. We're going to be talking with uh, Life Essentials Refillery, a zero waste store in Wesley Chapel. Follow our Facebook page, Sustainable Living WMNF, to stay in the loop. I am Kenny Coogan. I'm Annie Ellis. And remember, if you're looking for someone to save the world, look in the mirror. Bye bye. Bye. Some night.